Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech episode 120. Told you so. Recorded January 7th, 2013. And brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Do you like that dramatic pause there, Sean? Was I supposed to make some kind of funny noise a la Aaron? <laughs> no, I just it just seemed like the Paul Harvey sort of thing to do. Just, okay. just pa- make everybody think I've lost well, my train of thought. That? Yeah, okay. Or it could be that I actually did lose my train of thought. The world will never know. Uh, <laughs> welcome back, everybody. And then that, Now, you don't know the difference because we never missed a show on this one. Sean and I worked diligently and put out two mediocre episodes to play while we uh, were taking a break, uh, so you never <laughs> noticed that we were gone. But we've actually been away for about three weeks now, so it's good to see you, buddy. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be back, and uh, yeah, I'm sad to say it, Mark. I, I really, I didn't really miss you a whole lot while it was actually happening, but as I got geared up for the show, I'm like, man, I miss, I miss talking to Mark every week, so Thanks, it's I good think. to be back. Yeah. What's Actually, uh, I took a hiatus longer than I had intended. I took uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's off, um, and then come um, the the next time we were going to do something, uh, we had hosts get sick and ho- other things come up, and so I've had to cancel shows. So I actually have missed like every show. This is the last show I did. I did with you. So all my other shows have have been canceled as well, just for for various reasons, not for any one reason in particular. Um, right. and it was kind of the same thing. It's bittersweet. Uh, I, I, it was nice having all that time. That's like 30 hours a week. I, I didn't have, right. I got back right. because I, right. I wasn't recording. I wasn't editing. I wasn't posting, but at the same time, you know, I, I kind of like doing this and I kind of missed it. Well, good, good. It's glad you did make it back. Yeah. And you know, that's, uh, I don't know. Have you even had a break like that since we've started, Mark? I don't think you have, have you? Well, the summer when I took three months off uh, for the whole yeah, move thing, but that wasn't yeah, exactly a break. Stress and stuff. Right. Yeah, right. that was that was what I call the summer of hell is what that yeah. was. And I don't mean temperature. <laughs> I was telling somebody about that today at work. Um, I was describing, you know, my my role to them at, at the, my new job and 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 they were like, well, how many, you know, what kind of training or schooling you have to go through that? And I said, well, I got uh, three certifications in 10 weeks. That's that's what I did. Uh, you know, right. three, uh, each one of them is considered an industry standard big time certification. And I got three of them in in one summer. And um, and then all the, the while I was trying to find a house and, and all that good sort of stuff. So it was. Yeah, move your family. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, here I am in Georgia. My kids are mad at me because you've had two snows there in Texas since we moved. Yes. And we have had any in Georgia. Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, it was really odd because, um, oh, I want to say at my house, probably six to eight inches. I mean, it was, wow. it was you know, that's a blizzard here right. in North Texas. Texas standards, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, there was snow on the ground for a week. I mean, it's just, it's unprecedented. Uh, I've been here now, what, almost 13 years, I think, and uh, I don't recall ever having one like that. So, yeah. So, but for the record, you people up there in Minnesota, when he says there was snow on the ground for a week, he means there was a small tuft of snow that you could still see in the shadow of a building. Right. Yeah. The roads were actually drivable the next day. No, no, (laughs) not where I'm at. Okay. There was, there was a solid, white covering for three days 
where everything was covered for three days. And then after that, yeah, it started to go. And uh, but it was a week before the last little bits of you know little remnants uh, were finally gone. So uh, yeah, I, I don't ever recall that. See, southern um, snows are the best because they come down and it's pretty and it's gone, it's nice, and then it's gone in a couple of days. So you get yeah. the day off of work. And you get the benefit of the snow day, and you're huddled up inside, and you got your blankets and your warm fire, and then the next day everything's back to normal. There's no salt on the road to deal with. There's no tire chains to deal with. It's the perfect kind of snow. Right. Yeah, well, and the beauty of it is it literally came down about noon on Christmas Day. So it was a white Christmas. And yeah, I got plenty of great video of all the kids and the cousins and every all the little kids out playing in the snow and everything. So it, it made for a magical Christmas. It was fun. Oh. And uh, uh, we made it, Mark. I think you you referred to this, uh, but uh, we're still here. We are, we, in fact, we predicted still here. I yes, yes. We, in fact, we went so far as to create an episode that would be released after the Mayan apocalypse. But as it turns out, it wasn't such a big deal after all. Right, right. So we're That's still here. That hence the hence the epi- the title of the episode. I told you so. I told you we were going to yeah. be here. I called it. My first prediction of 2013 was accurate. We didn't die <laughs> in a nuclear apocalypse created by first century Mayans. Right. That's why you listen to us. Accurate. <laughs> if nothing else, accurate. That's right. All of our doomsday predictions to this point have been 100% accurate. That's right. <laughs> so uh so what'd you do over the break mark oh well um, i say the break because i actually got a break unlike you i didn't have uh what is it seven weeks of of christmas break that you guys in school get something like that Uh, (laughs) i did have two uh four day weekends um which is nice so i took christmas eve and and christmas day off and then new year's eve and new year's day off and um, okay. after uh, dropping uh, a number of less than subtle hints about what I'd like for my Christmas, including a picture of the electric smoker that I wanted that they had at Home Depot with a geolocation tag on it texted to my wife, I didn't get a smoker for Christmas. So <laughs> so, oh, I, oh. so instead, I went out on the 26th and bought my own, and I smoked uh, a brisket for New Year's Day, which was awesome because I have missed doing that. Oh, I got to tell you, because this has been a, a, a disaster for me the last two times I tried to smoke anything. Uh, both hams, and unfortunately, both purchased at Walmart. And uh, the first one I blamed on my mom. Uh, she bought me the ham, as she typically does. She'll buy the ham and all the the things that I need, you know, the, the wood chips and all that and the charcoal and whatnot. And then I'd, I'll smoke the ham for her. And for Thanksgiving, she buys me one. And I throw it on the smoker. I don't even notice it until uh, way too late that it's, it's spiral cut. Oh. And I don't know now. They must do these things with like laser beams or something because literally I picked that ham up. I could not tell that it had a slice in it. And then uh, you know how that would go, right, Mark? Because then it's got all the separation. So it ends up taking about a quarter of the time it would have. And by the time I noticed it, it was like ham coal. so the second time i tell i told her i said you know you got a spiral cut you you gotta look on that packaging make sure it does not say it's a it's a raw ham so what does she do for christmas she gets me another spiral cut nice yeah and uh it it was really small 
And I know she said she looked throughout the store and everything. She looked high and low. But apparently it's getting harder and harder to, like in any store, to find a ham that's not like a pre-cooked spiral cut. So, uh, you know, that's here in North Texas. I don't know. It might be different somewhere else. But uh, I'm starting to think you're just going to have to go to a butcher shop and say, you know, just cut off that ass of a ham and <laughs> give it to me you know what's difficult trying to find beef in northern georgia <laughs> that, you don't know what it's like for a texan to move out of texas because in texas beef is like breakfast lunch and dinner right um, right and, and, we, and we eat yeah i mean we like hey give me a side of the beef yes right right sure no problem so yeah here um hamburgers four bucks a pound for ground beef you know and it's 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 ridiculous so uh, right. Anyway, that that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Just thought I'd mention. So what I did over my break, one of the things that uh, I did was I uh, took a stab at roming my phone. I had rooted it in the past. Okay. Um, but this time I I went uh, with roming it, and for one particular reason, I mentioned it on this show before. Uh, I bought my kids um, tablets uh, for Christmas, Android tablets, which I literally have to pry out of their uh, sweaty little fingers every night before bed. They, they love them. But um, Christmas night, uh, right after um, we got them, we, we went out. We, we went uh, looking at Christmas lights, uh, and we were gone for a couple of hours. And when we pulled back into the garage, the girls, of course, had their tablets with them. When we pulled back into the garage, um, my phone went nuts with all the text messages my daughter had been sending me in the van um she didn't understand that she doesn't always have a connection she's got a google voice account on it and she can send texts that way and it's great and she loves it she communicates back and forth but we were out you know roaming the countryside looking at christmas lights and she she didn't understand and it and i i mean it makes perfect sense she has never lived in a disconnected world she doesn't know what that's like so um i had to look at my options for providing you know a mobile hotspot and previously with other phones, uh, Android phones, I could do that. I've talked about it on this show before, but this particular phone, uh, it's an AT&T phone, uh, may, you know, sold, marketed only through AT&T, and they have a, had a special kernel on it that disables all tethering, all tethering apps, all attempts at tethering. So uh, I had to um, ROM my phone to get around that. And uh, it's the first time I'd ever done it. Um, I know people talk about it all the time. I went with a ROM that was very much like the stock, just like I had. Because, uh, you know, it, um, the geeks in the world who are into ro- phone ROMing, uh, they hate, they want the pure Android experience. They don't like the touch whiz or the, or the uh, um, what is it, HTC use? I've, I've blanked on what it is. Sense UI, the HTC uses. Oh, but yeah. I actually like it. I like Sense. So I went and found a ROM that was, as close to what I had with Sense and everything. But uh, anyway, I did that, and it wasn't a big deal. Everything worked um, until I accidentally, and it was entirely my fault, uh, clicked the button that said wipe SD card. Oops. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, all of my uh, contacts that were stored on the phone, all of my pictures for you know a, a long time that hadn't, most of those had already been uploaded to uh, Google Plus and Dropbox, so I had them and that was okay. Uh, but it was just, it was such a, uh, it was that moment of realizing what you've done just after you did it. Like when you realize your keys are in the ignition just as you hear the door click, it was that kind of moment. It was like, um, all right, I'm going through here, click, 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 wipe ST, okay, click. Ah, wipe it, what? And by then it was done. It was too late. 
There's nothing I could do about it. <laughs> well, well, at least you didn't brick it. I mean, you know, you made it through relatively unscathed. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. Um, and I, because of one of my favorite apps, uh, um, Titanium Backup, I was able to just restore my apps and my settings. Uh, and so that was that's great. I, I don't recommend ROMing your phone unless you have everything, everything backed up. But one of the problems is that in order to get a good backup, you have to have it rooted first, which generally recall, requires wiping your phone. So really, though, everybody, as soon as you get a phone, root it, if not ROM it. Do that first thing. And then you can use great tools like Titanium Backup. All right. Um, what else, Sean? Anything else that uh, that you want to? I've got a couple other things, but uh, oh, um, you know, not a whole lot. It was uh, a little bit. Uh, it's funny because this Christmas, what usually I'm tech heavy with the kids. Uh, go figure. Um, and we're talking about a six year old and a two year old. Okay, <laughs> and uh, didn't go that route this year. I, I've, I'm just, I've, I kind of got tired of, I think they're just still a little bit young for really the responsibility more than anything. Um, I need to, as much as I can't stand never being able to use my own devices, you know, <laughs> tablet, phone, you know, anytime the kids are around, it's like those no longer are mine. Um, so I have a real desire for them to have their own devices, but they just, they just can't keep track of those things well enough. That's, that's the problem. So, well, the like I bought relatively inexpensive. Actually, I got them, got them in a great time. They went up a lot after I bought them. Uh, HKC little seven inch tablets, um, and I told I said that I'd give a, a little review of them, and they're they're great with a few exceptions. The uh, manufacturer says that their battery life is six to eight hours. That must be if you turn it on and don't use it, because uh, right. we're really seeing two to three hours. Um, yeah. And the chargers are crap. Um, one of them broke like while I was setting it up <laughs> Christmas Eve. Wow. Um, and I had to hand it to, you know, when my daughter opened it Christmas morning, I'd say, sorry about that. I, I broke that. The other one was broken before Christmas day was over. Um, I called, I, I went all over the, the internet trying to find a replacement. And it's, it's a super tiny, like one millimeter. I think it's 1.3 millimeters. So what it actually is. I connection. know what you're talking about. Re- yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whatever the really small one you think go smaller. Huh. Uh, yeah. It's the tiny yellow tip. It's not even the black tip. It's the little bit of yellow one. Um, right. So I started looking for universal chargers and, fi- and finally found a couple uh, f- uh, on Amazon, but they were a little pricier than I thought. But well, let me call the company. Let me call HTC. I went on. Uh, you know, in the in the manual was a, a support number. I called and spoke to. I'm assuming a Korean fellow. The the company is a Korean company, and I said I I want to buy. I wasn't trying to get anything for free. I said I want to buy a couple of chargers replacement chargers for my tablet he said all right what's my serial number so i read the serial number to him he said oh yeah i have that same tablet and i broke it the first day i'll just send you a new one (laughs) so you know they recognized that it was bad design did you mute yourself yes sorry i sure did (laughs) and i said something funny in there too (laughs) i said hkc stands for hong kong charlie Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's I stayed away from it. I've just I've I've already dealt with one lost tablet and um, another phone that disappeared for about six months and then finally did reappear. So that one at least stayed in the house. But yeah, you got to wait till they're a little older. My kids, my two oldest, are ten and eight, and they're they're in it and, and enjoying it. And 
uh, when I you know when I turn on my hotspot, I they're they're programmed with the I have a password on and everything to just you know not because I don't want to share, but because there's limited bandwidth there anyway. Um, right. And so they're when I as soon as I turn my phone on, their tablets jump on it, and so they play their little pet shop zoo monster game things that they're so fond of and. And they really love them. They, they, my, my oldest is concerned that uh, there are apps in the world she hasn't downloaded yet. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, there, yeah. There's, there's always the next best yeah. app out there. December twenty seventh, two days. You know, we got them Christmas morning. She filled up the RAM in it. Sixteen gig. I bought an extra sixteen gig card. It has. Wow. It comes with sixteen. I put another. It was full. She'd filled it up with apps and just garbage apps but you know she'd go and download and download and download and then never i showed her showed her how to 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 remove some things and and that helped okay okay but then the last thing that uh, i want to share with my audience is you know in the in the interest of being transparent i've always been honest about who and what i am and i had one of those moments that any aging man uh, can uh, relate to um, okay just this weekend saturday we record on Monday night, Saturday. Uh, uh, I went out with my eight-year-old. We were bike riding. Um, she, they got new bikes for Christmas. They were out riding. It had been a long time since I'd been on my bike, my bicycle. I, I you know, it's, I used to ride pretty, pretty regularly for exercise. Um, right. It's probably been over a year since I got on it. So I was out there. We were riding oh, no. around the cul-de-sac i was huffing and puffing and and groaning and and grumbling and it was it was miserable but i was doing it and we had a, a bonding moment and then it came time to uh to ride back to the house and we have a little curb uh at our driveway because we're at the bottom of a hill and it's a it's a water stop to keep water from basically flooding our garage and uh, so the 20 year old brain in me said all right so we're getting close to that we'll just pop up the front wheel we'll drive out of that curb <laughs> and we'll be fine the 40-year-old body, on the other hand, went, what'd you say about that? Bang. And so I hit, the, I hit the curb um, with the front wheel, proceeded to throw, throw all 450 pounds of my body over the front handlebars onto the pavement in front of me. Uh, I, have, I have about a 10 or 11-inch deep gash in my thigh where the the handlebars dug in on my way down. I landed on my right knee and my right elbow simultaneously. They're both bloodied and bruised and swollen. But the worst was in the process of the the uh, the the multiple tons per square inch of force that came down. I tore my right pectoral muscle. Ooh! Um, oh my gosh, that's painful. Yeah, everything hurts. Breathing hurts. Moving hurts. Laughing hurts. Right. So. Uh, just, you know, word of a warning, when you're 40, don't try to jump a curb on a bike because it's not going to work. Your brain still thinks you can do it. I've got the reflexes of a 20-year-old. I'm fine with this. And your body says, "What were? where were we? Something about jumping somewhat. Boom. Yeah, so just don't try it. It's it's muscle memory, only you had more muscles back then. <laughs> more muscles, less flab, faster synapses. That makes me think about it, though, Mark. Have you seen the movie This is 40? No, I haven't. Oh, you got to go see that movie, man! So many dead accurate things in that movie. I'm just, I'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to play spoiler or anything like that. If you haven't seen This Is Forty and you're anywhere in the vicinity of forty, I mean, I'm going to say even if you're married and in your thirties, a lot of it will apply to you. Um, Does it have any dancing trees or singing squirrels in it? 
Uh, that, well, their kids are a little bit older than that. Yeah, than so I'm not going to see it. That's that's my world in terms of movies right now for the next ten years or so. <laughs> okay. Well, if you get a date night out, go see that movie because you and your wife will uh, laugh the entire time. I mean, from like ten seconds into the movie until the end, you'll be laughing. So, uh, there's my plug. Paramount. <laughs> Send me a check. <laughs> so, Sean, you planning a trip to Vegas this week? I am. I am. Uh, I have a brother who has been in the army now for 23 years, and uh, he's actually here in Texas visiting right now for the holidays. Uh, he's getting ready to go to Korea for two years. So uh, as he uh, he's 39 years old, 38, um, never been married. I mean, he's just the perpetual bachelor, right? And as he often does, uh, he's been overseas, gosh, I've lost count six or seven times now um, over the years. And every time before he does, he feels the need to have this across-the-country mega blast party for like a month. And, it's because uh, he, he's single with no kids and more money than he knows what to do with. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when you've been in that long, you actually make a decent living, but you don't pay for a house or food or anything like that. So, I mean, you know, you get your whole paycheck. Uh so uh, he comes in and he says, uh, I'm having a party in Vegas. And so uh, he's flying me and one of my other brothers out. I mean, he's paying for our airfare and hotel and all that stuff uh, to go to Vegas. So, I mean, what am I going to say? No. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yes, next week. Uh, well, it would be. Just and you have some time off from work coming because you've, you've worked almost three days in this. Right. Year, so. Right. Yeah. It's been exhausting. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, just uh, the Saturday after this comes out, I'll be uh, in Vegas. It's literally a fly out on Saturday, come back on Sunday uh, deal. And uh, so I'm like, I'm I'm doing research for the show, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, CES is going on. So I'm all excited, like, man, maybe I'll actually be there during CES. How cool would that be? Pull it up and look, and Friday is the last day of CES. Yes, yes. So, uh, so I'm just barely missing it. So I thought, you know, maybe that'd be some sort of cool, you know, maybe I could take something and record something on yeah, the Yeah, we could get you press credentials, I'm sure. Yeah, right. I thought that would be, uh, that would be pretty cool. But uh, sorry, uh, we're going to miss that this year. Um, any of you out there want to, you know, bump up the donations or anything like that, maybe there'll be a future Tightwad Tech at CES, uh, but uh, not anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to... Uh this week's episode of this week in tech on the twit network and it's you know they're all seasoned uh veterans of of the media and they're right. grousing about the fact that the name badges say press slash bogger and that ces will let in anybody with a website so uh by we meet those standards you could get in because we have right. a website right right yeah well and not only that i mean we've done 120 shows come on we're not some fly-by-night operation <laughs> we have big Giant radio voices. <laughs> That's right. We know how to use compression. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's get to some news stories of the year. And this first one is kind of a not news. It's a it's a news that came out several years ago, and we keep hoping for, and and it might happen eventually. That's USB 3.0 is maybe actually going to be in some devices in the near future, possibly. Right, right. Well, that's it. Uh, uh, 
I guess the uh, the governing body for that, and I guess I probably should put it in the notes. It's in the link to the story, but uh, they have announced that uh, they finalized, I guess, the standard for it, and that uh, uh, it will be adopted in late 2014, and should start to see devices offering it in early 2015. <laughs> so it is funny that it's being it's being covered as in it's coming, it's coming soon. Right. To a store near you, um, and that is soon. See, this is the new enhanced uh, USB 3.0 with up a 10 gigabit uh, throughput, which right. throw you know throws FireWire and everything else under the bus in in a, in a major way. What they don't mention in the article, at least I didn't see it, is USB 3.0 uh, one uh, revision one with up to five gigabits has been out for a while. In fact, the laptop I'm using right now has one on it, and I've never seen a single USB 3.0 device out there. The spec right. is out there; it still trumps. It's faster than anything else out there. Five gigabits is tremendous. I would love to. I mean, why aren't HD cameras and 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 super fast SSDs and things like that using it? I don't know. Nobody's using it yet. Right. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Just one of those frustrating things. What I thought was interesting, though, and I, I knew this was going to be a short one on the show, but uh, same old connector. Yeah, and which is actually awesome because it's backwards compatible. You can stick any USB 1.0 device in a USB 3.0 uh, c- connector and it'll work. I, I know you you think that's a bad thing that it's the same connector, but I think it's great because it's yeah, universality kinda, of it. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I, I do get what you're saying there, Mark, but it just seems to me that we're looking now at technology uh, and we're looking, what, coupled still two, three years before it's widespread? And I just have to imagine... Uh, kind of the the reasoning, and I hate to side with Apple on this, but the, you know they're going with smaller connectors because all they see is things getting smaller and thinner. Right. Um, and well, I mean, it still supports uh, micro USB. I mean, that's still USB. Yeah. So you think they can? Because I haven't seen one, but you think I guess they could do that, couldn't they? They can go with micro USB and still have it be three right? Yeah. What what uh, I think the current spec doesn't support that, which may be why there aren't any devices out there. But think about it when you've got a ten gigabit. Um, throughput both directions you can do things like um for example plug the little usb cable into your phone and get full audio out of it instead of having to plug in a headphone jack and the usb you know and you can uh, like the the apple 30 pin connector gave you all kinds of functionality that that nothing else has, has had and they you know they've decided it's too big now and they're moving on something else um, which is, of course, proprietary, and you can only get if you buy their hardware. But uh, with when USB 3.0 becomes mainstream and, and widely available, I really think it's going to be um, the the one connector to rule them all. Okay. Okay. That's yeah, my- I kind of I, I tend to agree with you. I think it's it's just it's got such widespread adoption, and when we really routinely need those throughput rates, that that's going to be the one we're going to go with. But um, yeah, I guess we're we're still looking at a couple more years of, of blah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and in a related story, a yep. millionaire got fined roughly the same amount of money he wipes his butt with every day. <laughs> 
Yeah, there was two reasons I wanted to put this in here because I know it sounds stupid, but right, Mark Zuckerberg is facing a twenty-six thousand American. It was like twenty thousand euro fine uh, for basically. Uh, Germany has a law on the books that basically says if you provide a web service, you have to provide users a way to use it anonymously. So they don't have to quote unquote sign up, you know, and, and give their name or date of birth or any other personal information. And Facebook doesn't do that. Um, well, neither so, does Google, by the way. Yeah. So they're, uh, they're, they're threatening him with a $26,000 fine, which I thought was comical, uh, to be sure. Uh, might be less comical if it was like $26,000 an hour. And, um, then that's like, you know, how much money he blows his nose with. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, YouTube or Facebook could pay that $26,000 a day, every day for right. a year. And it, it would be nothing to them. So, I mean, it's, it's pointless. It's like when they find NFL players who make $10 million a year. That's a $50,000 fine. Are you kidding me? That's nothing. Aren't fines supposed to be punitive? Yeah, I'm going to run around punching people in the mouth every game. That's right. <laughs> what was it? Uh, Terrell Owens back in the day used to just like, you know, keep run a tab. You know, for the excessive celebration, just run me a tab. Let me know at the end of the season. I'll write you a check. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I also thought it was it, it was kind of interesting. Mark, I just wanted to get your take on it. I think it would be similar to mine, but um, I was thinking about that. You know, if you run any kind of web service or anything, you know, do you, is that just part of operating on the web now that you have to worry about all of the various countries' laws that you may be violating? It seems ridiculous to me. Well, I think the way it works is that you have to have holdings in that country to be bound by those laws. So right. like we, we, we are a wholly owned company in the U S so we have to abide by U S laws. I don't think that the German laws or the Japanese laws or the Chinese laws can apply to us, but I'm sure there's a, a facebook.de, you know, Germany right. uh, domain. There's, I'm sure they've got some servers co-located there just to, for bandwidthing. So bandwidthing, bandwidth uh, <laughs> sharing. So uh, once, once you get that, uh, sort of relationship happening, then you have to start paying attention. I think. I mean, it could be. I mean, the 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 entire you know uh, European chunk of the world there uh, seems to to be um, intent like on litigation. Stuff. You know, right. <laughs> well, that's why, and that's what I thought was interesting because I'm like, are you really, find them. I mean, one, you're a country. If you really want to take a bite out of them and probably cost them more money too is uh can't you just block facebook um technically i mean i mean you know it just seems funny that okay we're going to find you even though we have the authority to stop your service in our country but no we're going to allow your service to to go on and we're going to find you for the way that you conduct the business well, that doesn't really work i mean china has tried to ban twitter and facebook for years and it doesn't work i mean there are proxies and tunnels all over the place but yeah i mean on i guess your your point makes sense on principle um but yeah they, and that's where i'm going with it just from a principle standpoint i know in the real world you know whatever but you know why don't they just find him 26 billion and they uh, but they did order all um institutions in the state uh um to yeah, to shut down, shut down their Facebook pages. Yeah. So if you're uh, Bjorn's and, house and remove the like button battle from axes. Their... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bjorn's battle. There's a nice alliteration to that. I like it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm on a roll. I'm fresh. You know, I've had a couple <laughs> weeks off. 
So, <laughs> but you know, I, I said earlier, Google Google has those same requirements. Uh, in fact, you know, you not only uh, that was a big thing at Google Plus. You can't use synonyms. There are lots of synonym accounts out there, but officially, you can't use synonyms, and they will shut down accounts that look like synonyms. You know, if your if your right. username is Batman, they're going to shut you down. But if if your username is Harry Balzac, then you're probably okay because that could technically be a name. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but speaking of Google, uh, they're in some legal trouble of their own, kind of. Yeah, uh, that was the amazing thing, Mark. Um, and this is not new news because uh, it's actually been going on for a couple years, and I remember hearing about it a little while back at least. But uh, the, the FTC had um, sued Google, and we're, doing, uh, we're basically investigating them uh, now over the past two years for uh, – uh, what is it? Uh, unfair trade practices or unfair? I'm trying to think of the actual term. Antitrust monopolistic Antitrust. behaviors. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, and uh, that that came down that uh, basically they didn't even get really so much as a slap on the wrist. As a matter of fact, uh, John Leibowitz, the chairman of the FTC, said it was a unanimous decision. The reason is it doesn't violate the American antitrust laws. The facts weren't there under the law they apply to so basically there was no validity to it at all and it took and then he goes on to say uh google services are good for users and good for competition so not only did they not get the antitrust they were hoping for they got an endorsement from the u.s government right yeah that probably only cost them 10 billion dollars over the last two years and and basically the the thing was that uh, Google has become a monopoly a monopoly of search because there because nobody uses Bing, so therefore Google's a monopoly. And really, it was their ad. Uh, you know, Google had um, oh, I forget what they called it before, but then they bought AdSense and Google and, and put them together and had Google right. AdSense. And then I think they also bought DoubleClick. Uh, you know, they went out there and and just went on an acquiring spree. And so right now, pretty much, if you're advertising on the web, you're advertising through Google. And right. so that was sort of the crux of the argument. Yeah, and there were some things, and actually Google uh, conceded on these items um, so that it really didn't become an issue. But uh, there were a couple items that were covered by law. Uh, the big one for me that I saw was the fact that Google actually had a policy out there or so, I don't know if it was a policy or an incentive. I think it was more of an incentive, but basically it was uh, like a non-compete. So you were, if you were a site that only ran Google ads and not ads from other networks, then you got like a bonus or something. So they were incentivizing sites to only use Google ads, um, and they had to stop doing that. But um, well, they didn't have to; they chose to. Well, they to, did choose to, but yeah. it was they. I mean, come on, you know, they knew where that was going. They they were wrong there. The FTC knew they were wrong there, and um, in the article they even say, you know, they knew that one was covered by law. And then I don't know if you've uh, read, this is a relatively recent story about the fact that uh, Google was apparently blocking access to maps.google.com from Windows 8 devices. Not only did, did they not make an app, but they were blocking access to it. And a couple of uh, high-profile bloggers pitched a fit about it, and Google went, um, yeah, that was an old safeguard and we're reevaluating it hey harry <laughs> turn that off turns out um we've decided uh, that it's okay and we're not going to do that anymore right right 
Yeah, yeah. I, I hate to see that kind of stuff, though, because, I mean, really, you're Google, right? Like, if you're going to use a map, what are you going to use? You're going to use Google Maps. Right. and. And, uh, Google is the new Microsoft. You know, when yeah. Microsoft was on top of the world, everybody was suing them for being anti-competitive, and and they were. They used strong arm tactics, and they ran competitors out of business. Out of business. Gosh, I am just, I, I, I've my tongue ain't working right today. Um, and they ran competitors out of business, and and but you know, Google's doing the same thing now, and Google complained about it when Microsoft did it. Well, yeah, yeah. I just, I hate to see like stupid stuff like that. It's like, they really don't have to go there. They don't have to, they don't have to uh, block, uh, you know, some of that other stuff. And quite honestly, let's face it, when something gets good enough that it actually begins to become a, <laughs> a threat to Google, they just buy it. So, <laughs> so all of that other kind of strong arm stuff, I, ne I never do get it. I just think that's bad business. But uh, I tend to think things like that are just a show of strength. You know, Google was having an argument with somebody at Microsoft over some licensing deal or whatever and right. said, you know what? Let's see what happens if your users can't get to our maps. You go out and you spend the billions we spent making maps. I mean, that's exactly what they did to Apple. Right. They said, Apple, no, no more. And and I'm sure that it, it wasn't over a license deal. It was over something else. Probably all these Apple lawsuits of Samsung and their partners. And they right. said, fine, if you want to play it that way, if you don't want to work with us, we're not going to work against you. We're just going to say no. No soup for you. And and look what happened to Apple. Apple is still reeling, still trying to create a decent Maps app. And the the Apple loving world is jumping up and down by the fact for the fact that Google finally released a Maps app for Android. So I mean for Apple. So um iOS 6. So it was it's I think they just they just want to say all right, you know, you you don't want to play ball, fine. You you get what you pay for. And right. we won't play ball at all and see what the world looks like then. Yeah, yeah. Well, it kind of almost makes sense because you figure people who get to the top of these large corporations, um, they're a little bit competitive. You know? <laughs> a little, a little. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when you put it that way, that makes a heck of a lot more sense to me because, yeah, these are over super mega achievers. And when you put a bunch of them button heads against each other, uh, it can get ugly like that. So. Yeah, and they're just, you know, this is the, the multinational equivalent of a pissing contest. You know, it's, it's CEOs standing around talking about whose dong is bigger, but it's just the, you know, it's the, the, C, the corporate version of it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Makes so much more sense when you explain it, Mark. <laughs> that's that's my highbrow, um, deep analytic way of, of looking at things. Uh, Mark, this next item that I uh, I put in the show notes. Is I am just so excited by this because finally, years from now, my great grandchildren grandchildren are going to be look up able to look up and see what I had for lunch today. Right, right. Yeah, so the uh, this actually happened a couple of years ago. The Library of Congress had signed an agreement with Twitter uh, in April 2010 to archive uh, all tweets. I mean, going all back all tweets, all tweets to the inception of the company in 2006. So so far, they've amassed over 170 billion billion with a B uh, tweets. Um, and they're still working on it. I think there's actually still a backlog. So there, it's not like uh, in all time there's been 170 billion tweets. There's been more than that. Well, that was, there were that many the day Michael Jackson died. 
So. Right. But, uh, but so far, their database consists of approximately 170 billion tweets, um, and they're acquiring 500 million new each day. Um, but now they're running into this problem where, you know, Library of Congress is, uh, you know, it's this institution of doing research and, you know, getting uh, information and data and stuff like that. And uh, the problem is that there's so much information there and, you know, it's been a huge hurdle just to figure out how to amass all of this and, you know, get the data stream coming in and keeping it up and running and all, all that kind of stuff. Then now they're like, okay, well, we've got all this data streaming in, but how do we make it accessible? Yeah, well, what I think I uh, wonder about that is, are they just archiving the 140 characters? Or are they going out and archiving all the links? Uh, because, you know, so many people post pictures, uh, you know, Instagram photos and all that sort of stuff. So right. when you're archiving Twitter, you're actually archiving large chunks of the internet. You're archiving Instagram. You're archiving, um, you know, uh, WordPress.org. You're archiving the, the New York Times. Because those are the sort of things that are tweeted. Right. So I wonder what their algorithm is doing. How how deep is it reaching? And if they're if they're crawling all the links as well, then yeah, that's that's a huge chunk of data. It's not just the billions of tweets; it's the the trillions of other things that those billions of links or uh, tweets link to. Right. Well, and unfortunately, the article didn't mention anything about you know if they were going into any uh, you know depth or how many you know, how many layers, because of course that that's a endless game too, right? You link to a New York times article and there's bound to be, you know, 20 other links in that article and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. Um, they say, let me see here. Uh, they also, uh, archive basically websites that have anything to do with the government, um, government information activity. And, that archive is 300 terabytes. Um, so, you know, they're already archiving a heck of a lot of digital data. Um, the, the actual physical books, which they're also, uh, I think they're working on digital copies of all that as well, but they estimate that the data that would be in those books would be 10 terabytes. Uh, so, Library of Congress, I mean, that's, I'm, I thought it was kind of cool that they're, Certainly, stepping forward with the digital age, they see the value of it. Um, I don't. It, wouldn't it be cool though? I mean, come on, Mark. Really, if you could pull up, like, what did George Washington eat today in 1775? Yeah, that, Abraham it, Lincoln tweets going to the theater, super psyched about it. <laughs> right. Can't wait, my American cousin tonight with the wife. <laughs> Sketchy dude walking around behind me. Hope he's not up to no good, LOL. <laughs> uh, you know, I, Mark, that just made me think about it. You remember how the saying went, uh, I guess, not too long ago that, you know, uh, Abraham Lincoln was sacred? Like, couldn't joke about Abraham Lincoln? And then we're going to hell. Well, I think, no, but I think we've crossed that threshold because the last couple of years we've got Abraham Lincoln versus zombies, Abraham Lincoln versus vampires, and he's like no longer sacred. Dude, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter was a freaking hilarious movie. I love that movie. I, I loved it, and I don't know if you saw Abraham Lincoln versus zombies, but that, that movie was awesome too. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's funny. Abraham Lincoln is like the new Chuck Norris of presidents. <laughs> Uh, love the it. Chuck Norris of presidents. I love that. <laughs> Maybe that should have been the show, show title. <laughs> I may change it. That's awesome. 
So I, I had a point, and I'm sure it was Coach. Oh, yeah, it was something, uh, an interesting story about five years ago. So you got to set your expectations there. Uh, I attended this uh, seminar about uh, record retention in public education. And it was talking about how you had to, you know, what you had to retain, how much you had to retain, how long you had to retain, that sort of stuff. It's a big deal. Right. It's that whole sunlight uh, thing. Any Anything uh, that government money was spent on has to be archived in public, essentially. So this lawyer who was no longer a lawyer was now uh, a paid speaker to talk about this sort of stuff, was talking about a case that he had done a few years ago when the judge uh, asked for the entire archive of something, I don't remember what, and he went before the judge and argued uh, this wasn't possible, that that archive would be over two terabytes of data, and that there's just no way they could gather that, and even if they gathered it, there'd be no way they could ship two terabytes of data, it wouldn't be possible. And he was expecting right. a bigger response from the room that he got because uh, he was, you know, I guess he wasn't used to talking to technicians. And we all just kind of nodded. And he said, is that is that something you could do today? And a guy in the back of the room said, yeah, a couple hard drives wouldn't be a big deal. And he was just stunned by that. It's like, really? This uh, We were thinking it was going to be like a DC-10 full of, <laughs> of, of data. It was going to be ridiculous. It's going to be thousands of hard drives. No. And then when you were talking about now the, the 10 terabytes of data that the Library of Congress had, I was thinking, that's like one Drobo. You know, it's, right. it's a couple hundred bucks and it's not, it's not a big deal. It's done. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I mean, who knows how much, how much space it, it I don't recall seeing it, but, uh, you know, how much space 170 billion tweets, uh, takes, but, um, well, at 140 characters, not a lot. Right. But still, you know, I mean, uh, when we start to look at, you know, just trying to archive some of this stuff, you know, all of the just everything that is produced nowadays. Um, if you're a historian, you know, you're trying to, to save stuff. Uh, it, it's, it's gotta be a mind boggling task right. though. You know, what do you grab? Do you just grab it all? And you know, uh, storage is getting cheaper. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to run into a problem where it's not storing it, but it's accessing it. You know, right. when, and, when the, nobody knows what a SATA connector is, you know, then what do you do? Well, and not only that, but just like that, I mean, you know, here in just a very short period of time, they've they've amassed so much data, and then it's, you know, how do you index it and make it searchable and make right. it, you know, ha have any sort of relevance? Because people are wanting now to access this database um, for all manner of things, you know, social trends and, uh, you know, does are there relations to stock prices and all this kind of stuff, and um uh, you know, I'm sure sociologists are wanting to access it to do studies and, and whatnot. And um, that's the problem now is that the data comes in so fast and amasses so quickly. Uh, how do you, you know, how do you use it? So, yeah, I mean, uh, how many people in our audience could read uh, information off of a 720K five and a quarter inch floppy disk? You know, now there's somebody right now who just said, me, I've got one right over there in the corner. Uh, you know, yeah. okay, you're the one, right? You're the one guy. The Library of Congress may come calling someday, uh, <laughs> right. but that you know, it's it's not too long a stretch. That was just 20 years ago. That was the way people stored things, you know, the single sided floppy disk. Uh, so 20 years from now, the you know the the SSD card may be just as arcane. Right. Right. Well, and that's that's like a whole different job now, right? I mean, they used to have what uh, document preservation specialists or whatever and and now those people are having to basically retool themselves into 
you know, data recovery and preservation specialists. Yeah, I read a great article once. I think it was somebody from the Library of Congress said, don't think of it as data storage. Think of it as data movage. Every right. 10 years, you've got to move it to a new format if you want to keep it. Right. Absolutely. Mark, ring, uh, ring, 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 Ubuntu phone. Ubuntu I just had to do that. Phone. I had to do that. Ding, <laughs> dong, ding, dong, ding, dong, ding. Ubuntu phone. And somebody uh, out there listening will know exactly what you're saying. Somebody with kids. Somebody yeah. who listens to Pandora. Got that. <laughs> so, Mark, I, I put this out there. I didn't. I hadn't. Wasn't even sure if you had done an episode of Everyday Linux because I figured this had to be covered on that. Well, show. it is, but we've had to put two shows off, so it's still sitting there in the links of things we're going to talk about. Okay, great. So well, you then, get to be first, right, listeners? You have not already heard about this because anytime I go there, I know I'm like, ah, they already covered this on Everyday Linux, but uh, <laughs> not this time. I'm first to the punch. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ubuntu has announced that they will be releasing a phone. Um, so Not a phone been, OS, a piece of hardware. Right, right. And I, I looked diligently to actually find out more information on the hardware because they are not being specific about the hardware at all. Um, other than, let me look in the notes here. I want to say uh, sometime in 2014, I believe, beginning of 2014. It's sort of rumored that they may actually uh, be available. But yeah, I mean, an actual hardware handset, uh, smartphone with the, uh, a, 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 I guess, a mobile-tooled version of Ubuntu um, is coming. And Mark, I have to, I have to say this because it's, it was just funny. Uh, Money.cnn.com, uh, there was a number of articles out there about this uh, on the net. So if you're interested, you can go out there and just search, search Ubuntu phone and you'll certainly find it. But uh, they said their their headline was the Ubuntu smartphone, which no one will use, is <laughs> is a glimpse of the future. Well, so. if uh, if you follow Linux, and and again, um, if you do, listen to Everyday Linux, our our uh, Linux show. We've talked about this, not this particular thing, but the way the direction Ubuntu is going for a long time. I I coined the phrase a couple of years, maybe a year or so ago, maybe two called the tabletification of the OS. Everybody is making the OS tabletized. Uh, Windows 8 is a tablet OS that will also run on a desktop computer. Um, um, Apple has has been very um, overt about their plans to make their Mac OS and their iOS converge and not in the faint way that iOS is going to get more Mac-like. It's the other way around. Macs are going to get more OS like Ubuntu has moved to the touch centric um, interface. Um, they're using something called Unity that um, across the board, every user, a power user of, of Ubuntu hates, but they're pushing through. You know, Shuttleworth has said this is the way it's going to be. And now it, it makes sense. They're trying to, to, to bring their uh, flavor of Linux, their distribution to the mobile world, not just to create an OS, but a device. Uh, which, right. which is, um, you know, it's interesting to me, and I think I tend to agree with the assessment. Nobody's going to use this, uh, but maybe, you know, maybe it will be. But, but what's cool is it's not, it's not a mobile OS. It's a desktop OS on a mobile device, or at least that's what they're, they're planning. Yeah. Um, well, one I'll say, and it's it's like a twenty minute video. But if you go to uh, ubuntu dot com slash devices slash phone. Uh, they do have a uh, what they call a digital keynote, uh, twenty minute video, and uh, which is very Apple esque. 
it is. It really is. That that kind of shocked me too. But um, you know, I I'm okay with that because it's kind of nice to see them at least looking mainstream. Um, and uh, you get a real good look at the OS and the and well, supposedly the phone. I guess uh, I guess the hardware's. You know, I guess we'll see where it goes with with that. But you get a. I mean, they're doing some pretty neat things there. I don't know that they're really revolutionary or not, but um, it'll be very interesting to see these things because they sort of put some loose uh, ahas in all of what they're saying, you know, that um, it's going to be, you know, lighter and faster and all this kind of stuff and kind of makes sense. I mean, those are the sorts of things that uh, if you're in the know that you kind of come to expect out of uh, Linux, uh, any Linux OS. Um, so that's interesting. Um uh, but basically, and I think this is where us geeks are going to have fun with it, is basically if if your device will run Android, then it will run Ubuntu. Yes. Um, because they use the same, uh, I guess, somehow their, their kernels are the same and they use the same drivers. Um, so they, they're certainly saying that. So, you know, by the time that this device actually comes out, everybody's going to have an old Android phone laying around. Right. Um, so that's what I look forward to, you know, just the way that we do with computers now, right? We have this old computer sitting in the corner we can't do anything with. We throw Linux on it and, uh, it, it has new life. Uh, so I look forward to that because that brings that to the phone now and into the tablet. Um, so that's some geeky goodness. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's interesting, just a quick side note that Ubuntu.com, uh, the Shuttleworth Foundation, owned by and operated by a billionaire uses YouTube to serve up and store their video. They don't have it on their own servers. It's on YouTube. But anyway, um, (laughs) it's a, it's an interesting gamble. Uh, it makes a lot of things that have been going on in the Ubuntu operating system a lot more clear, like their recent partnering with the Amazon store, uh, makes a lot more sense when you think of this being on your device. Cause you know, um, handheld devices are largely portable consumption devices you know that's that's how google is making their money off of the play store they're they've created android and and their monetization is selling 99 cent apps or uh you know uh partnerships through um of other vendors so this 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 thing what you know in uh the kindle the amazon kindle has sort of a tenuous relationship with Google, they they don't really like each other all that much. It runs, it runs Android, but it's a, a really stripped down Android that you kind of can't tell is Android. It doesn't have the Google market on it; has their own market. Now this starts to make a lot more sense. This partnership with uh, Amazon, Amazon, uh, you know, is going to take over the world of of uh, consumption. You know, they're they're the Google right. of selling stuff. Uh, you know, Google is the Google of advertising stuff. Uh, so these sort of things start to make a lot more sense. If you're already in the Google world, the uh, Android device makes perfect sense. If you're already in the Amazon world, the Ubuntu device starts to make sense. So it's going to be that, which ecosystem are you in? Are you an Apple person? Get an iPhone. Are you a Google person? Get an Android. Are you an Amazon person? Get an Ubuntu phone. And there's room for all three of them. It, and then RIM and Windows are just scratching to try to find a market. Yeah. Well, and that's what I thought was really interesting because – um, it did strike me that way is that this may be the first really serious sort of, I mean, it, and that's, it's a long shot. I mean, just like that tagline I, I read says, but, you know, it, it may be that that first real, uh, we'll, we'll be talking about, you know, 
when it really first made its uh, serious play into the mainstream. Um, and I think as we transition away from PCs and more to mobile devices, uh, it's got a serious shot. And it's certainly what I saw looked pretty darn good. Yeah, of course, it's easy to make a demo that looks good because it doesn't yeah. actually have to run on anything. Just an animator has to create right. something. Right, right. But that was it. I mean, a lot of it is the way you interact with the device. You know, uh, most of what they, like I said, most of the, the sort of catchphrases that they threw out there were uh, really nondescript. You know, it's faster, better right. multitasking. Well, what does that mean? You know, yeah. um, but when they showed how you would actually inter interface with it, um, it, it was different. It was new. It was, it, you know, at least a little bit. So it was enough to at least get me intrigued. So I can't wait. Sean, roughly what are the specs of your laptop? Quad-core processor, 10 gigs of RAM, something like that? Um, yeah, 8 gigs of RAM, I believe. My, my laptop's a couple years old now. Yeah. So, so um, yeah. what, what are the, how long is it going to be before that's the specs of your phone? Not long. Right. Right. So right. The, all the computing power of your laptop in, in your pocket you know, is, is a big deal. Uh, and that's the direction we're heading. And, and you know, I'm talking not 20 years, seven years before right. that happens. And I agree with you. And already we can see all these devices. I mean, Apple does it with their AirPlay. Um, now these, these companies are trying to make these devices uh, transition with you throughout the day as you use them so you know they become media players they you know uh, they don't quite have the power to be your primary computer but that's not very far away and um, you know and they're your phone and so I, I mean I do look forward to that because it's kind of a pain in the neck when you're carrying you know a phone around and a tablet around and a laptop around uh, so I I'm looking forward to when those are really truly consolidated into one device because um, we're not there yet yeah, and I don't have the link off the top of my head. Uh, maybe, um, maybe I'll get it. Maybe I won't. Uh, by the way, uh, remind me to do the plug about the show notes before when I finish with this. But uh, okay, um, uh, maybe I'll put it in the notes. Probably won't. Uh, but I just recently read an article about uh, a university project who uh, had a major breakthrough in making cheap, easy to produce supercapacitors. Now, we've talked about supercapacitors before. It's a, yeah. um, it's a capacitor that can store a very uh, high-powered charge and release it in small increments over a long period of time. And this, um, this new breakthrough, they figured out how to make it using um, graphite powder and a DVD drive off a regular computer using the laser off a DVD drive. So they can make them dirt cheap. Mass of course, it's, it's just in a lab at a university right now. But right. the, the idea is that they'll be able to mass produce these things for pennies. And uh, if, if you don't understand a supercapacitor and what that means, um, take, a pack, take a pack the size of what your battery in your phone is. Fill it with supercapacitors. It will run your phone for a week, and it will take 30 seconds to charge it. Right. So it'll, you'll have like an 1,100-watt charger, roughly the same uh, output as your microwave. It's going to be a big deal like that. You jack that thing in, your kitchen lights dim for a couple of seconds, um, and then you're charged up for the next week. That's what supercapacitors can do. They can store thousands of volts and release them in milliamps for a long, long time. So that technology converging with... Uh, you know, the the next hurdle then will be cooling because right now there's two problems with phones. There's heat and there's battery. 
well, that's going to solve the battery problem. So then somebody's going to invent, you know, an alloy that cools better than aluminum. Uh, And then this, this, you know, quad core processor in your phone is not only going to be feasible, it's going to be cheap and easy. Uh, So, you know, I'm thinking that there are a lot of things right now that are going to converge just in the next few years. Uh, that are that are just going to change the world as we know the the, the Google Glass project, yeah. you know, as cool as that is. Imagine what it would be if it had, uh, you know, uh, four i sevens powering it, right? You know, and that's that's going to be feasible in the next few years. Yeah, yeah. Well, I you know me, Mark. I'm a big fan of Ray Kurzweil, and so every time I see these sorts of things happen, I'm like, see, that's what Ray said. <laughs> yeah. Ray said. Yeah. Some people talk about him like he's a kook, but uh, I'm on board, man. So that's uh, those are our, our roundups uh, this week, and Sean even went so far as to get you a tip of the the very first tip of the week of 2013. Yeah, Mark, this one's pretty cool. Um, I I didn't go so far as to look and see how far it's been around. This is the first I saw it was just this week. Uh, it's called Tagxedo, so T A G X E D O, so a play on tuxedo, but Tagxedo. Um, and uh, if you've ever used Wordle. Mark, you remember Wordle? Yeah, where absolutely. You, yeah, you can put in a piece of writing or you can put a, a URL to a, a blog post or something and it'll count like how often you use certain words and those words will graphically be displayed larger and in this neat little mix-up. Um, and, and it's cool. They use, At least they were popular in education for a period of time. There, I, I don't. It seems to have dropped off a little bit, but maybe this will revive it. Uh, Taxedo is like Wordle, but you can... You have a lot more customized uh, customization options in there, so you can, uh, you know, you can make it into the shape of a cat or a spaceship, or you know, they have uh, I don't know, at least a hundred or more uh, different shapes and things, and you can customize the colors and the uh, just everything about it. Um, so I thought it was worth throwing out there. Uh, I know I've seen people wearing T-shirts with their wordles on them uh so uh if you are interested in that kind of stuff or maybe if you're in education or anywhere else where those types of things uh could be used um go check it out tagcedo.com awesome and um i i I was gonna say the 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 plug that i mentioned uh if you go back into uh i forget episode which episode it was uh a listener by the name of uh um was it Robert, Robert Williams yes. Um, yes. stepped up and said, hey, guys, I'd like to do your notes for you. He basically said, your notes suck. I can do better. Now, that, that's my equivocation, uh, equivocation of what he said. Yeah. Um, and so he went through and listened to the show and uh, uh, searched out all the links that uh, that we mentioned, whether they were in the – and he didn't even have access to our show prep notes he he just went right. through and he listened to that, and he time coded everything. So from from zero uh, seconds to thirty seconds, this happens. From thirty seconds to to forty five seconds, this happens. And and it was it was really great. It was awesome to have that. And so uh, I think it was with three episodes back, uh, and then uh, he said, "What do you think?" And I said, "They're awesome." And I posted them. And so I'm hoping uh, that Robert is going to continue. Uh, to do that, and and we will share our our pre-show notes with him and, and give him a little more information. But Robert, thanks, man. Those were awesome. Keep them coming. Uh, so for those of you who uh, have, uh, you know, we mentioned the notes often, and and for this show, I actually do a fairly good job of the notes. I at least try to put all the the links in that we talk about. But but Robert went way above anything we've ever done before 
uh, and uh, just want to give him a, a personal shout out. Thanks a lot, Robert. Yeah, and uh, Robert, uh, Mark just uh, mentioned that real quickly, but uh, I, I do develop the show notes every week, and I've uh, since that time at least uh, been including him on the share. You know, we, we do our show notes in uh, Google Docs. And so I've been sharing those notes out to him in the hope that he would continue because, uh, yeah, give him access to all that information and maybe make it a little bit easier. It was impressive. It obviously took him a long time. So thanks, Robert. Yeah, I've looked at uh, solutions for doing that, you know, automated solutions. They're all terrible. Uh, it really takes a person. And, and obviously you have to be passionate and, and bored. <laughs> and Robert seems to be both of those things. So <laughs> great. That's the kind of audience we like, passionate and bored. Right, right, absolutely. Well, Sean, our, it was uh, uh, our first show of the year, and it was a true pleasure. And, you know, I think it might have been an okay show. No, Mark, I'm going to have to say this was a great show. All right. This time, I think I agree with you. So uh, great to have you back with us, listeners, even though we never went away as far as you're concerned. Uh, I hope you had an awesome Christmas and a wonderful new year and a wonderful Festivus and a, a Yule log burning ceremony, whatever, whatever your um, perihelical solstice celebration of choice is. Uh, we hope it was a good one and that the new year is treating you right and that you didn't injure yourself trying to keep up with an eight-year-old. Um, so we'll see you next week. And for now, this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs>